This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Tomorrow is opening day. This morning, then I have a great hunt. Deer didn't move like usual. We just got set up in the middle of this bedding thicket. Oh, and saving this spot from the rut. It's a nice It's a one seventy. That was money. I think it's down right up there. Ten yards. Whitetail Legacy Podcast, bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, coming in your ear holes. And today I talk to Cody about a full year of public land hunting. Um, I found Cody from his YouTube page, um, a ton of cool content, hunting giant bucks, lots of close encounters, good footage. Um, and another guy out there just absolutely obsessed with public land and grinding it um, all year and finding huge success. Um, so let's get the people to make this possible, get into the show. Starting off with the one and only Exodus Outdoor Gear. Guys, I know I mention the cams every week. This week I'm going to mention the arrows. Do not forget that they have the custom tailor-built arrows from the MMT, the Moment Arrows. Um, these are an arrow that you custom designed to fit your bow and your specs i shot them all last year sent one through a buck sent one through a couple does and had really good success with them um the flattest cleanest shooting arrows really really good knock fit really good fletchings just an all-around really good build really strong arrow didn't have any break last year um so that was really really cool um did lose one of them um but other than that um, really, really good success with the uh, the MMT arrows there from Exodus Outdoor Gears. So if you guys are in the market, 
um, and you want to shoot something that's custom built to your draw weight, your draw length, um, what kind of head you're shooting, what kind of grain of head you're shooting, what kind of knock you want, um, what kind of knock fit you want, um, check out their website at Exodus Outdoor Gear. You can get on there and you can custom build your arrow to fit your specific needs. All right, well, we got a new ad read coming at you for the next few months, and that's from Bag of Jerks. If you guys haven't seen them on social, um, they're really taking it by storm and sending out a lot of jerky and working with a lot of people um, in the outdoor industry. And they reached out to the show, and they wanted to work together. Um, and everybody loves jerky. Who doesn't love good jerky? Um, he actually sent me some of this product. I got to try it. Was blown away by how tender it was. The kids just absolutely smashed it. I only got a couple pieces from it. But they're going to be offering some boxes very soon. You guys are going to be able to get the first details from that. And I'm going to be giving away three of those boxes to my Patreon members um, and I will be giving a 10% off code to all the, the people that listen to the show. So if you are in the market to look them up, look them up now. I'll get that code out as soon as I can, and you guys will be able to save you 10% there. Um, but like I said, this this company has just come on the scene and really, uh, really reaching out there, trying to get the word out, and um, their product is really, really solid. So um, check them out at bagofjerks.com. All right, let's get in the show with Cody. All right, well, we got Cody Hooven on tonight. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, I'm excited to chat. We just did a little audio check chat there and uh, already jacked up for this episode. Um, but the reason I had you on is, like like I mentioned, I, I kind of am all over the social media and the YouTubes looking at content just because I absolutely love it, and I found your videos – and I really like your style. I can tell you're really passionate about it. Um, you're hunting a ton. You're filming a ton. And you're always on giant bucks on public land. So I was like, this would be a perfect guy to reach out to and, and have you on. And hopefully more people can find your content and hopefully learn something um, from this episode. But just uh, give the listeners a brief introduction of who you are and uh, what you do before we get into the goods of the episode. Yeah. So like you said, uh, you know, I'm Cody Hoon and, uh, I'm reasonably young, you know, I'm 27. Um, I've been hunting whitetail since I was nine. I cut my teeth back in Michigan and, you know, back then a, a four corn was a, was a good buck. And my, you know, my father got me into hunting and, and over the years that evolved from, you know, we owned 20 acres and shooting four points and six points. And then that slowly turned into trying to manage that, that little piece of property and acquire a, a neighboring 15 acres or five acre permission down the road. And, and I slowly started getting into, you know, age class and, and, you know, that was a big thing in Michigan. Um, we just didn't have that age class. So back the, you know, in Michigan, that was three-year-old was, was great. And so I, I really got into that age class management and that brought me into the meeting people within the outdoor scene, which brought me into editing and filming. I did um, the Midwest Whitetail Internship. That was a great time, which brought me out to the Midwest. And I really got to see what, uh, you know, what a buck with, with age on him could produce. And after that first year out here in the Midwest, I, I moved to Iowa, which is where I'm at now. I love it out here. The public is fantastic to, to a point <laughs> we can get into that, but, um, yeah, I've, I've started really just dedicating a, a ridiculous amount of time chasing 
mature whitetails on public land. Uh, the public land thing, I dabbled with it in Michigan. It was pretty hard. But when I moved out here to the Midwest and I seen the opportunity for somebody who really put the, puts their mind to it and has the passion on public land, uh, that's, man, I just, I fall in love with it. I, it's like, it's a, an adventure every day. You never know. You could go anywhere. Uh, there's you could sit a new tree every day and never and see something new, you know. Um, there's so many bucks, and whether they're living on public or a neighboring property, uh, just it's really captivated me, honestly. Public land, and um, I, I really didn't even get on the hype train for public land for you know, with like the hunting public and everything like that. I, I never was that like I'm gonna be a public land mobile guy, I, I just went out and did it out of necessity and really fell in love with it and uh, it's grown on me and now i'm to the point where <laughs> now i am captivated with it i'm mobile hunting public land it's just it's a breath of fresh air it's what i do and i i dedicate a uh, a very large portion i mean basically the whole year i, I uh uh, a lot of people don't know this, but I, I work very little. I work just enough to make sure I have money to eat. Um, I'm not ashamed of it. You know, I don't, I don't have a lot of money. My gear's not the best. Uh, I eat like a college kid, I eat ramen, you know, <laughs> almost every day. But what money I do have, and the reason why is because I spend the rest of the time, no joke, I'm scouting. I'm walking every piece of public. I'm checking every tree under every bush and limb, trying to find these bucks, figure out if they're living on public or not. And uh, yeah, being, uh, I guess, obsessed is uh, is a good word, but uh, I wish there was a better word because that would probably be where I'm at right now. Yeah, I so. can tell just by your content that you're, you're just putting in, just by how much you film, I can tell how much you're out there. Uh, me being, you know, filming as well i understand like man this guy is out there a lot because you have a lot of content throughout the whole entire year um so you could it just showcases how much time you're out there how much work you're putting in um so that's like i said that's why i wanted to have you on i feel like more people can relate to you because you're kind of like just winging it out there but you're you're winging it really really successfully you know you're not you're like you said you're you don't, you're not doing anything fancy. You're just hard work, grinding it out, and getting it done. And that's what this podcast has pretty much been stapled off since the very beginning, um, is, is trying to find guys like you um, out there doing what all of us want to do. Um, so before we get into your season last year, um, I wanted to kind of – everybody's kind of got their own style of hunting on public land, and you had mentioned a couple of tactics that you use. So I figured let's go over just a general – um, your kind of style of public land hunting and um, some of the tactics that you had talked about before we recorded. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's going to sound like I'm, you know, not willing to talk about myself much, but I, uh, I, I'm, I if, you're, if people are coming here to learn something new, they're not going to get it from me because my, my tactics are very, uh, I would call them mundane, man. Uh, it's a combination of a little bit of everybody. And what I mean by that is, you know, big inspiration from the hunting beast, from Dan Infault, um, another big, I would almost say mentor of mine for a year and a half now, uh, was, uh, Eric Rendell, Rendell Eric. He, uh, he's out here in Iowa and man, he's, I know he's been on some podcasts. He's, he's a killer dude. He's, he knows his stuff. And so he took me under his wing and, and showed me some stuff. But, um, 
you know, I, I grew up watching all these hunting shows and they talk about, you know, your sanctuaries and property management, which is where I started and what I started doing in Michigan. And, you know, that was high pressure hunting back in Michigan, extremely high pressure hunting. So really when it comes down to it, I, my, what's different for me is I look at every situation, every hunt, and, and I pick out what tactic needs to work that day. If I'm looking at a situation where, you know, beast style, getting right in top of them, hunting the bed, that's what's going to help me get on those bucks or get in that position. That's what I'll do that day. But then I can turn around, you know, mine all public land. I, I'll turn around and I'll hunt the next day for a different buck. And I'm incredibly passive. I might be even sitting over a food source that I know has high pressure and, and a lot of guys in, and I'm just trying to time it with hoping, um, you know, I can't say hoping, but, you know, you, knowing where they're betting and getting a good weather front in and expecting a long line in daylight and, you know, sitting that food source for that, that shot opportunity or that sighting or encounter. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and preach one method. Really, it's, I think everybody, every situation is so different and unique and every deer has their own personality. Every buck has their own personality and every you know, sometimes you're hunting river bottoms, you're hunting rolling hills, you're hunting, you know, flats, or you just, there's so many situations that they differ in, and really, I like to go through my, basically my little black book and go, okay, what situation is going to apply to this? And what are my odds of success, you know, success? And is this an area I'm going to continue hunting? Maybe I don't want to go in there and blow it out this right away. Um, you know, who else is in there? And just, again, it's, it's, a lot of different people's little techniques and, and I just, I mash them all together, man. And I, I just try to be fluid and adapt and constantly changing and evolving. And I, and really, I think that's the best way um, because if you get set in stone uh, on, on a buck or a tactic and you do it over and over and over, then it might work great. You might have one year where it's awesome and, or, you know, one part of the season is awesome. And then you just feel like you're beating your head against the wall. And, uh, as soon as I get that moment where I'm like, eh, okay, then I try to switch up immediately. And it's really worked for me, especially now that I'm really having that time and energy to, to fine tune myself into that and, and grow comfortable with myself in, uh, in my own, I guess you could say mishmash technique. Uh, it's really this, this past season, especially just shows, you know, how many bucks I was on constantly. It's, it's, a uh, yeah, that's what I like to do, man. It's, you know, not overly complicated, but a little bit of everybody. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to put it because you need to be kind of good at everything, if, especially if you're hunting, you know, giant piece of public land or multiple bucks. I've said it a, a whole bunch of times. What what I always suggest when people reach out to me is is try everything, and then once you find something that you're good at, do that, you know? You need to be okay at everything, but if you're really good at doing something and you have a lot of success in an area doing one thing, continue to do that until it doesn't work. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, try, I have a, get a lot of messages, you know, trying to kill their first buck or trying to kill their first big buck or, you know, trying to get on a streak. And I'm like, you know, find out the way you like to hunt, you enjoy to hunt, so you will continue to hunt, and then uh, figure out a method that you can work with. And it sounds like you're kind of conjoining everything and, and letting the buck tell you what kind of style hunter you need to be, which I think is extremely smart. Because um, yep. one guy might be, I got to be aggressive on every hunt, and the buck might, you know, might not take it and be and roll out. So, 
Great, yep. definitely a great way to put that. Um, to be, you might need to be passive. You might need to be aggressive. You might need to hunt the food source. You might need to hunt the bedding. You never know um, until yep. you read what the buck's doing and go from scenario to scenario. So, getting into your season last year, um, I've been following along with your videos. Um, so, you can kind of start however you want to do through your season. I know there's a certain um, couple of certain things that I knew that we wanted to highlight in your season last year and mention. But just go ahead and start wherever you want, and then anything I have that you don't touch on, we'll touch base on the end of it. Okay. Yeah. So, um, man, like I said, it was a it was a great season. Um, you know, I'll I'll uh, I'll say right from the start that I, I didn't end up harvesting a buck, but it doesn't doesn't mean that it wasn't a fantastic season. I had so many encounters. I think um, I think the longest I went was four days without having a buck encounter. And that was the first couple of days of season. And as the season progressed, I only had more and more buck encounters. And and I'm not talking like four points or spikes. I'm talking, you know, 100 inch plus. A lot of days where numerous 120s, 30 classes, even 40 classes. And, um, you know, I've, I have pretty lofty goals for myself. I really try to go for maturity. Um you know, and on public, even in Iowa, that's, I, I try to do four years old. I know it's not fully mature, but that's really what I try to do is four years old and, or 150 inches or bigger. Um, just my personal goal. And so I was on a lot of great bucks. I passed a ton, a ton of bucks. And, you know, starting off, funny story, my very first episode is starting off the the year man it it kicked off with a bang that's for sure um <laughs> so it's it's had my buddy stanley come out and he was going to film me for a couple days we're, we're trying to figure out where we're going to go hunt i have a couple friends who drew and so i was suggesting areas for him and it's getting late and i'm like well we can't miss the first night we gotta go somewhere so i ended up picking this spot and we're going to go way back in and set up on this area. It's kind of new to me, but I was like, you know, this is, I, I feel good about this. And this is, you know, it's a good sign. There's a big cornfield all the way up at the front on some private, probably catch a buck long lining off these ridges. And, uh, you know, that's, you're going to hear me say that a lot, because in my opinion, when you find long lining, that's where some of these bucks are very killable. So that's one of the tactics I really look for. But anyway, so this buck, uh, I knew this area and I figured he's way back on this ridge and I had these pictures of him. and there's a, a stand that I seen where I, we first get to the parking lot. I should say, we first get to the parking lot. There's six cars in the parking lot. I'm like, Oh wow, this is fun. You know, so, uh, not, not a great sign already, but I'm like, all right, we're going to skirt our, you know, skirt our way back in and, and kind of slide back using that, that edge of that private cornfield skirt our way in along the public we'll get back and we'll sit up on that ridge expecting that buck to pull off with the wind well i've seen some some brand new tree stands and some cameras there like man this is kind of a weird spot not a lot of guys put time in over here that should have been my first sign i i, I should have realized hey i'm missing something here because when i was look even when i was looking at them they weren't just oh, okay somebody threw a stand up i was like man this somebody put like time and energy and like thought about their access and like who is this i don't you know, I, I don't know none of my other big hunting guys, you know, public land guys out here are, or, or in this spot. So I should have kind of, mm, okay, and kind of reevaluated. Well, I didn't. And I, <laughs> I come down, I'm rolling off, going to go down into this, this draw and roll up the other side. And lo and behold, 
the <laughs> this buck that I was going in after that I thought would be a couple ridges back. Uh, he's just chilling there. Turns and looks at me and Stanley stands up, takes off. I'm like, no, oh man. And uh, you know, he was extremely close to a parking lot, extremely close to you know, a lot of human activity. And that other guy, I'm sure knew about that and, and had him patterned a little better than me, I guess. So, you know, I'm not, I'm definitely not perfect. And, uh, yeah, we blew that buck out really big buck. I mean, had to be sixties, 160 inch nice. clean 10 beams almost wrapped in. And anyway, so we decide but we're going to set before we get too far in here. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people are wondering as well as me, um, explain long lining a little bit when you mentioned long lining, um, what, okay. what explain that real quick. I've never heard that term before. So, yeah. Okay. So I'm not sure if I coined that term or if I heard it somewhere, but it's become my favorite thing when I'm talking about, um, bucks and it's really one of the main thing I look for. So long lining, if you have a bedding area, like let's say, you know, a predominant food source that these bucks are moving to. Uh, most of the time is just, we'll just say like up here by a parking lot, by a road. And, you know, you have multiple tiers of bedding and the first one's like 300 yards off the food. And then you have, you know, maybe a 10th of a mile and then a quarter mile or a half a mile off the food. A lot of times um, I will pass up hunting bucks. Some of them are, you know, even bigger bucks. I'll pass up hunting those bucks that I know are laying closer to those food sources because the bucks that are laying farther from those food sources, usually, in my experience, they get up earlier to move to that food because they're long lining. It's a long line of travel to go from their bedding to their food, and so they might get up that extra – sometimes it's five minutes, and sometimes it's an hour um, where they're up milling around and moving, working their way a lot of times just you know across some of these – oak flats or through some of these draws, whatever they're, you know, wherever they're going, but they're, they're heading out to a food and a food source. And so there's a lot of times where I will purposefully hunt bucks that could be smaller or maybe not the biggest one in the area, the most unique one, but they have to long line out to that food. And, you know, how many times have you heard that, you know, I had two minutes left to daylight or five minutes left to daylight. And so I'm just stacking the cards in my favor and if you get a good storm front or a weather front or what pressure, whatever, a lot of times, you know, they're already getting up early. Now they're getting up even earlier and moving towards that food source. And, uh, you know, like I said, it, it can be five minutes, it can be an hour, but a lot of times that's how I, that's how I'm getting out a lot of these bucks that I'm seeing, you know, in daylight, having daylight footage of them, uh, just catching areas where i know it's you know a lot of times i'm absolutely nowhere near food because i'm just trying to catch these bucks that i know are bedding in these areas long line out to a food source i really i've never heard that before but i really like it i could and i could it makes sense working so right we're 20 minutes in you've already i've already learned something loving it man yeah that's <laughs> when you when you said long line and i'm like all right there's something to this i need to touch base back on but that makes a lot of sense to me and as you're talking through it i'm trying to think of my bucks like What's what's a long liner buck? Like I'm going through the motions of who's my long liners, and I, I you know, bucks pop in my head like pretty frequently. You know, like okay, that's probably you know he's pretty far from ag, and maybe he gets up earlier. So yep. that's definitely a cool tactic that I haven't heard talked about. So before I interrupted you, you were talking about you just jumped that buck. Yeah, you're still going in, um, and you can go ahead and take it up from there. So 
Yeah, so I have so many stories, so I'll try to wrap the first one up quick. But uh, we end up jumping that buck, and so we set up kind of in between the uh, trying to trying to pull like a bump and dump or just catching him because I knew he was going to that corn. And so I'm like, you know what? Let's go back. I know there's a big trail that comes into this uh, the corner of that that private cornfield, which in that corner of that private cornfield there's a guy's big tower blind there and some tree stands and he has a little alfalfa field there too big hunter you can obviously tell and um so i'm I'm trying to sit up on that trail to hopefully catch him i'm like all right i got him up early you know he's he's bumped he's up early this is the only food source in the area Uh, all these other guys are hunting deeper into the what looked like to the west so i was like he's probably gonna have to wrap up and, and through here and uh, I'm like, this would this would be where I would if I was him, and I'm coming through. I'm far enough away from being bumped, you know. I kind of got the wind in my favor. I'm I'm moving into that food source, and uh, maybe we'll catch him here. So we end up setting up, and all we saw was some two and a half year old like little dink guy. He's coming out like last 20 minutes of light. He walks right by us at 50 yards, gets right to the private fence, and so we're about 60 yards off this fence line, and this this little it, it this little i don't like i said like two-year-old like six seven point or something like that like 90 inches 100 inches he jumps jumps into the alfalfa field and he's standing directly in line with me we we shut the camera off and everything and like whatever you know it's hard to see but i'm i'm looking at him in the binos and i notice <laughs> i notice the ground blind that's directly in front of me you know 100 yards with this buck in between us <laughs> here comes a muzzleloader sticking out the end of the ground blind and i'm like oh oh yeah it, it's it's youth season right now so you know you can use muzzleloaders and next thing you know, boom and you hear the <laughs> whizzing by us and went, whoa you know and, and just getting the, the the i think i named that episode something like you know bumping giant bucks and getting shot at or something it was it was surely an interesting moment and uh you know even though we're like 15 feet up the just the way the terrain is that that round probably shot you know right under the tree uh, on us we could hear it whizzing by and uh i we think the we think the kid hit the deer, but it ended up running off. And we tried to help him. We ended up getting down. We're like, okay, time to get down. You know, whatever. <laughs> We're gonna get down. And and uh, we we tried to help him kind of find that deer. And and they didn't have much blood, so unfortunately, they they kind of had given up. And and I wasn't too keen on trudging. You know trumping around in an area that I already bumped a giant buck in for too long. So, uh, you know, sucks for the the kid, but it was definitely made for an interesting night, you know, seven cars in the parking lot. There was people walking their dogs, blowing out this giant buck and then getting shot at. I was like, what a, what a great day. Perfect way to start my season. Great first day. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So, um, yeah, that was, that was how my season started it was a little slow for a little while. Um, nothing crazy. Had some decent encounters. Um, like I said, if anybody who's listening, they can go to my YouTube and, and watch as the dates roll on. I think, I think for the purposes of the next story, the first picture that really excited me of a buck, and I'll get into why it excited me, was October 12th. It was a, night, a nighttime photo. But this buck looked like he had exceptional mass, just fantastic mass. And he's kind of turned and looking away from from my camera. And um, 
that's something we'll have to get into as well. I, man, I, I talk so much. It's going to be all over the place. But uh, I love I, it uh, when it's like that. It's perfect. <laughs> I, uh, I am a huge believer in trail cameras. Um, I think they are a tool at, like anything. And what I mean huge believer is if they didn't get stolen all the time, uh, I would run at 50 or more a year, but I tend to lose 20 of them, even locking them to trees every year. So, uh, <laughs> they, they, man, people, people got sticky fingers out here, but, um, so I, I love trail cameras and I, and I just blanket areas and, and I don't, I don't, I don't put, I usually don't put too many in one area. Um, I, I blanket like probably half the state with them. So I just put a camera in what I think is one of the best areas, try to find a good scrape, and I don't care if it's a, a two or two o'clock in the morning picture or a 12 in the afternoon. Um, I'm really big on backtracking bucks with cameras. That's something that I've is, is a, I'm, I just happen to be really good at it. And um, so I, I try to get these pictures of these bucks and then I'm like, OK, here's a target. Here's a mature buck. Do I have enough public? Is he possibly, you know, I start looking at like, uh, you know, when I'm getting them okay, let's go put other cameras in there, previous scouting, you know, any kind of sheds. And, and I start going through the list and looking at the terrain and looking at the time that they was in there and how many photos I have of them and determining, do I have enough public or is this something I can just go in there? And is this a huntable mature buck? Because, um, you know, we won't get into it too much here, but I've, I've had the, not this past year, but the two previous seasons, I've chased 200 inch bucks. And I say chased lightly because I only threw one or two hunts at them all year because they spent 99% of their time on private. And there's no reason for me to sit there and hope and pray on a fence line for my this one opportunity when I can go out and try to kill myself a, a, a 150 on, on public. I just It's more realistic if I can find a buck who's living and working, you know, work, you know all these scrapes and everything on public land. And yeah, he's not a 200. But he's a realistic 150 yeah. that I can put on my wall, and I've been, so I've been in the same boat for a few years where I've been chasing 80s or above, yep. and you know you're you're so limited. But I do the same thing as you. Like people are always like, "How do you find? How are you always on like really good deer or have really good deer on cam every year without the property? Like they know that <laughs> I don't have big piece of property. I'm like, it's because I run I run around 40 cams. And I blanket a lot of different properties and areas that I know hold big deer normally. It, I'll, I'll normally get, you know, the biggest deer on the property on cam at some point. And then you yep. know that he's there. Now it's your job to move cameras or hunt to find him. But I feel like yep. a lot of people are using their cameras to hunt and not using their cameras to find the big deer to hunt. So yeah, and here here's another thing I do, which I catch some flack for with some with some buddies of mine. I put my cameras in, I mean, where everybody else puts their cameras, right? Like, uh, and I, I don't mean that in a, in a in negative way, but I, I put my cameras in the in the biggest creek crossing or on the best food source of you know like a, a, a field edge um, over this giant scrape right off the trail and and I do that because I don't care if it's a two in the morning picture because outside of the rut especially for early and late season um, outside of that you know end of October first couple weeks of November phase if you get a buck on camera and my, this is my opinion. I'm again, I feel like I'm very good at backtracking bucks, but if I get this buck on camera and he's two in the morning, 
well, I have a direction. I usually have multiple photos of them and I have the food source. And so from just from that, I'm like, okay, he's hitting this food source. It's obviously a late food source. He's either going to another one or he's coming from a long ways away. And I have a direction and I know these areas. And, and so from there I start backtracking. I'm okay. Well, you know, he's, he's, averaging on on my cameras in here between midnight and two in the morning so he's probably coming from you know 1200 yards out 2000 yards out something like that he's he's not he's most likely not really close otherwise i'd have some better photos of him closer you know closer to daylight and so i'm like all right so i start drawing my bubble and and it's pretty easy because it's a half moon because you already know the travel the direction that they're coming from and if you know the areas from you know i do so much scouting and and i put so many miles on that i'm like okay here's the trails here's his splits and then i start looking in that in that bubble and i'm like okay from 1200 to, to 1500 yards maybe that's where i've narrowed down where i believe from the time he's hitting that camera he's at i'm like here's here's my opportunities for you know look at it for the wind so yeah, i look at him okay and the wind he's coming into this food source so i know based upon wind he's going to be bedded in certain bedding conditions for certain winds and uh, you know the whole hunt, uh, beast style where they they bucks bed based on wind with certain conditions you know wind over their back and they either ridges or whatever they're doing um that's the whole thing that's that's not i haven't coined that that's the whole dan infault beast you know going through the wind thing there for that but um so i start looking in that band and usually with that wind and in that band there's already only a couple areas that really set up for bedding and then of that normally with that wind it is like one maybe two or three at, at, at the most if if you're getting them a little bit more sporadic and so you draw in a bigger circle and uh man I'll, I'll i'll go in and i'll drop a camera or two and I, I kid you not i mean my like success rate for finding these bucks like in their bedding areas getting daylight photos of these bucks and now it's just a matter of you know uh, is he going to be there uh, Cause obviously, you know, they don't always bed in the same spot with that wind. They have multiple different beds with that wind. So now it's just a matter of, am I hunting that buck? Is it the right time? Do I go in? How's my access? And man, I've, you know, especially with this, this past year, I mean, I had so many encounters after encounters after encounters with these bucks and just numerous, I have, I kid you not, I have a f folder on my phone of, I believe it's between six or 700 pictures and videos of different bucks over 125, like Pope and Young or bigger, different bucks, that many off of like 50 cameras that I just kept moving around through the season. That's great. I kid yeah. you not. And, and a large majority of them are daylight and it's just by backtracking. So you know, that's something that once you get that wind in there and you start really looking at, you know, okay, this ridge sets up as a little bit of that like knee high cover on the ridge. And, you know, those bigger bucks like that little bit of knee high cover, you can find a blowdown or two in it. And okay, yeah, you have three ridges, but this is the only one that has a slight bit of cover on it. Like I said, there's a blowdown, go to it. Next thing you know, oh, hey, look at that. There's a buck bed boom you know <laughs> so that's that's really it again it's it's nothing it's nothing i'm doing it's just something 
all these, everybody has already found the tactics and I'm just putting them together. You know, people already do this with the cameras, running them on the food sources. People already do this with the cameras, running them back in the bedding areas. Uh, you know, there's, there's guys who, you know, hunt the wind and hunt beast style and, 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 you know, uh, talk about access is key. And, and all I do is just put them all together. And I just determined you do as, all the work, man. That's yeah, that's it. <laughs> the work. That's what it is. That's uh, people ask me all the time. You know, how do you see so many bucks or, you know, uh, how do you kill some of these, these bucks? Um, like, you know, past couple of years, I've killed some, some slammers. Yeah. And, um, and I, I, I tell what I tell everybody is, is I'm, I like to say, I'm not any better of a hunter than anybody. I just put more time in. I put more work in. That's just, you know, why you guys are, are, you know, and I don't mean that in any kind of a way to offend people, but why people are at, you know, birthday parties or hanging out with their girlfriends or, uh, Christmas, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm scouting, man. Yeah. I'm scouting or I'm hunting. I'm, I'm just, I'm just out there. And really, man, you get more opportunity when you're out there more. <laughs> so, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. You do get more opportunity, but you're doing, you're doing all the right stuff. Um, and you've done it, you know, what I, what I tell a lot of people is I hunt X amount of days and maybe they don't hunt near as much. Mm -hmm. And I gotta, I tell them like, okay, so say, say if 10 days is a year of, you know, hunting knowledge and you hunt 10 days in that year where well, that's one year, I hunt 40 days while well, I'm four years ahead of you. You know, yeah, so, so you're 100%. getting, I tell you're getting, that four, all the you're time. getting 40 years ahead of, you know, a guy because you're hunting a hundred days, you know, and, mm -hmm. and he's, you know, four years in and you're 40 years ahead and he's at four years. So yep. there's a learning curve. And then what people don't understand is with, a, you know, even if it's public or even if it's private, once you find these areas where there's giant bucks, a lot of times there's giant bucks back in there again. Cause yeah. there's a reason that that deer was able to get that old and hold that age structure. Um, so I feel like a lot of people just, they get comfortable on a piece and they just kind of stagnant there waiting for the, uh, maybe a buck to show up this year where they could go down 100%. the road and find a buck that they would really be happy shooting. Um, but they're like, well, you know, this buck might've made it. And, and, but when you, when you put a ton of cams and you cover a whole bunch of different property and you're bebopping around, you could really hunt the biggest deer out there. And you're, if you, if that's something you've never done and you do it, you're going to be astonished on how many bucks are actually out there. Like yes. I had yep. one spot on public this year that I had a three-year-old deer from a hundred to one twenty-five. One of them might've been a four-year-old. He was eight with a split two. um, that, you know, was 125 to 135 inch buck. Five days in a row, they a buck daylighted in this pinch or multiple, mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's just it's just mind boggling. It was just nothing that I really wanted to shoot, and yeah. I just kept sending these pictures like, dude, next year, like holy smokes, you know, it, it this could be this could be the mega, or it could be only three and four year olds, or you know, two or three year olds are comfortable using that area. You know, you yeah. never know, but um, I know now just because I ran a cam all year, one year there, that from that time frame, that doe group is hot as hell, and there's bucks daylighting in there. And it's it's a spot that I've never ran a cam the last six years hunting this place. I just was like, I'm going to throw a cam up here in this spot because it looks like a good pinch, and then it's the best pinch for buck 
daylight movement on the whole entire place, but it's just mm-hmm. three-year-olds, you know, but without putting the work, um, it's like a half mile north of the other stuff that I hunt. You know, it's like way far away from the stuff I'm used to hunting. Uh, but I was yeah. like, I'm going to throw one up, but I got all that Intel now and you're doing that on a huge scale. So you'd be able, you're able to just get tons of data to dissect. And like you said, you then you can figure out what bucks are more killable off, yeah. off of that. And, and so to kind of a, elaborate with what you were saying, you know, there's going to be a lot of people who are listening. It's like, well, I just don't have that time off. Can't do that. It's like understandable. People have families. They, they have to work. You know, I'm, I guess you could say lucky I'm single and I've, I've basically given up my entire life to dedicate just to whitetail hunting, um, you know, financially and everything. And so this is, this is what I do at this point. And, you know, but there's people who can't do that and they go, well, I got, I have 10 days. Well, I would say, my advice to that is, is one, try to off season scout more. It's, it's going to be, it's going to help your, your, your season just immensely. But if you really only have 10 days, you know, or, or, or two weeks and you're trying to get it done on public land, my best advice is there's, there's two things. One, if you get out to an area and you look at it and you go, I don't even know how I could hunt this, right? You get into a spot where you're like, man, there's a big deer in here. I know there's big deer in here, but maybe it's a thick, nasty swamp. You know, it's deep water, a bunch of islands, or the ridges just don't set up. There's no clean access, or the access is like ridiculous coming in from like on a kayak or something. You'd have to come in. You'd have to do something just off the wall, right? So when I find those areas that you get to and you're like, this is like, look at all this sign. Here's the buck bed yada, yada, yada. You know, a lot of guys are big on that buck bed stuff now. So they, they pretty much can go in there and, okay, here's the buck bed. When you're getting in that spot and you're looking at it and you're going, oh, I can hunt there. I can hunt there. I can do this. That's not the buck you want to kill. When you get into a spot and you go, how do I even get here? How do I access this? Man, this buck would get me with this. The wind is in his favor here. There's no way. That's the buck that you want. If you want to kill a big buck, you have 10 days. That's the buck that you want because everybody else is going to do that has found that it's going to do the same thing. They're going to get there and go, this is impossible. Well, that buck has survived by doing that because he's in that position that is arguably impossible. And you're just going to have to, yeah, you know, if you're going for 10 days, it's a little harder, but it sounds ridiculous. But like I said, just doing crazy stuff like, uh, you know, maybe there's no, everybody's coming in from the parking and you're just coming in from, you know, a, a half a mile, mile away, floating in on a kayak and you get, you get one hunt at this, you know, coming in from that way, or you're doing some crazy giant loop all the way out and around, or, you know, you could pull a Bill Winky and sleep out there. I, I'm no joke. Um, just those are the, the, that's, that buck got that big because he's doing something that that's productive to his survival. And then nobody else wants to hunt him. And, yeah, it's not going to be the best, but if you really want to kill these kind of bucks, these big bucks, and got 10 days, one, look for that, find that, and then put the work in to do it. That's where I would say your highest opportunity is. Second is, I love to call it um, situational conditioning. So uh, deer can't reason, right? It's, it's something within their brain that they, they can't reason. They don't go, ah, oh, Joe's been hunting me all week. He's He's going to come in again. I'm just not going to lay here because I'm worried about Joe. Like they don't, they don't do that. They don't reason, 
but what they have is very very good instincts like you know like we have like fight or flight well they have you know their their prey so they have incredible instincts and they use their all their senses to their advantage and what i'm getting at with that is you always hear about overlooked spots i kid you not i have found more big bucks right next to parking lots right next right next to roads in you know there's tons of all this awesome hunting you know public area and there's just skinny little tree line that sits in the middle of this cut field and there's a freaking 180 just crawled up in this ball down in the ditch right there and all you can see is this tine sticking out it, he's done something that maybe when he was a, a two-year-old he was pushed into a a a crappy bedding area, right? There was no other options for him. All the other bucks got the better bedding and he got, he got pushed in a stupid little hole and well, he didn't get killed. And so next year he does the same thing and he doesn't get killed. And next year he does the same thing and he doesn't get killed. So, so if you have 10 days, look for the hardest spot to hunt. And I wouldn't call it the easiest, but the spot that when you're looking at on the maps, you're like, I'd never hunt that. Just go look. I promise you, just go look. Because I have found so many giant bucks in this, some of the stupidest spots. In fact, the buck that we were talking about that we can get back into here, um, you know, that, that we can get into talking about that I end up chasing, it, it was such a dumb spot. I mean, I kid you, I was like right – every, every hunt for that buck was right off the road. Numerous people hunting in and around that area, and I just was able to figure out why he was surviving in this little pocket and the parking all around and just and everybody was just i'm going deep i'm doing this i'm doing that yada 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 and i'm like i'd watch him walk out of sight and then i'd turn and walk 20 yards from where we've been standing talking and climbing to this tree and then i have an encounter with a freaking 170 inch buck that evening <laughs> so that if you got 10 days that are my that's my advice is is for that i think that's uh yeah, but if you if you have more than ten days and you want to put in the work, then man, it's it can be very productive if like you're like what we were talking about putting in that work. Uh, there's a lot of bucks out there, man. Yeah, and, and man, I really I really like that. I have I have the same same scenario. The the one of the biggest deers that I chased in the past few years is in one of those spots that it's just mind numbingly hard to hunt, mind numbingly mm -hmm. hard to get in. The wind's real shitty, does weird stuff. Um, and then we ran a cam on a – we ran a couple cams a couple years ago on a new spot, and these were literally just, like, shit cams. Like, I got an extra cam. I'm going to throw it over here. You know, that, that kind of thing. Um, yep. Close to the road, close to the parking, like, just one of those where, hey, I got – instead of having this cam set and my – shelf in the garage i'm gonna throw it up and see if i can get something out of it um i had shot my second buck in october that year um and i was bucked out and we were actually coming back from the locker and i was like let's swing through there and just see if we can i'll pull this cam and just see if there's anything on it you know because i still had a buddy that was hunting um and there's two bucks in the high 70s 180s on that cam <laughs> and i was like and one of them was daylight I was like, yeah. oh, my gosh. And we did the same thing. We went out there hunting. We ran into some guys. They knew us from the show and talking to us. And, you know, we were kind of not lying to them, but we were like, yeah, we, we normally hunt the other side, and we normally do. And 
we were like, yeah, it's not been as good as it was in the past. And the other side hadn't. And we let them go in and then we cut back and walked down the road and then popped in the woods and hunted that buck. Um, but that buck was there multiple times on cam when we weren't there, like chasing does and stuff. Um, and then he got killed three miles away (laughs) on another piece of public, a little over three miles as a crow flies. So he got on a doe and did some radical shit, but he was in that little pocket. And then another buck that we had lost that we were trying to find was on that cam at night coming out. And I was able to find his sheds that year because one of his sheds that year, because I got that single picture and that made me low move some cams in there. And then I started getting more pictures of him late season. And I was like, Holy shit. And then he dropped one side and I went out there and found it. <laughs> you know, I was yeah. like, and it, if I wouldn't have hung that junk road cam, like I wouldn't have never, never even thought about that spot. And we threw quite a bit of hunts in there, you know? And, and uh, we, we end up seeing a, a couple decent bucks in there, a lot of does. We never did end up seeing that big one. I think he got killed about five days after we started getting pictures of him, though. So I feel like if we would have had a little more time, we could have. Um, but that, that like you said, this was extremely close to the, the parking, extremely yeah. close to where everybody was walking in. Um, but uh, people say that, I think, but people, I think people hear it and they're just like, oh, they're just saying that because other people say it. Or have said Dude. it in the past, but it's true. Like they, yes. they are there. They're 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 there for a reason. And uh, it was funny. Like I was like, ah, I'm gonna pull this can. There's gonna be a drop time buck on it, you know. It just joking. And there was a legit mid 170s with a giant drop on that cam. You know, we're like, holy shit. And then we're driving. We're driving you know the pasture seats looking at the camera and and he's like there's there's this buck you know and i'm like holy crap he's on there too you know it's just mind (laughs) mind blowing what what could uh what what could show and then um this year going back to that this year i went out i had shot a buck um like december 26th or december 27th uh, late and uh was throwing the carcass away the next day um and i had um, got off work and cleaned the deer and it was late at night and I drove out to one of my, my wife's grandpa's ground. Um, and it's literally like, it has like two acres on it, dude. And it's all ag, nothing around it and pull in to drop this carcass off of this deer, you know, the rib cage and stuff, massive buck, dude, <laughs> just right on the edge of the field, <laughs> right on the edge of that two acres. I'm like, what in the hell? Like, I don't know where you came from. And it wasn't like really late. It was like maybe 35 minutes after dark. Like it was, so I'm like, you didn't come from that far and you were out in the middle of nowhere. Um, so I ended up running a cam there, but never did end up getting, I got some pictures of some other bucks, but I never did get a picture of him. Um, but I was like, wow, that's just crazy. Like you said, those small look spots like that, they, they can hold them um, for sure. I, I think the, uh, I guess the moral to that that whole story there that we that we you put out to to everybody is would just be honestly it's keep an open mind and stay positive. If you can do those two things, you can keep an open mind about where and why you're hunting. 
and then staying positive while you're hunting, keeping confidence within yourself. Um, because I'll tell you what, when you're sitting there watching cars drive by 20 yards off of a road all day, it can, can wear on you. And you're like, man, am I doing the right thing? Am I wasting the day? But if you can just keep an open mind and stay positive, you'll get on far more big deer doing that. Um, you but, know, it's just you know, the best, a mindset. Yeah, the best things about those those spots are like, okay, if I hunt here a couple times, I didn't ruin anything. Like, I didn't ruin any of my other bucks. Like, I can destroy this place, this spot, and not destroy any of the other bucks that you have. But a lot of times, if you're hunting one buck, you know, and you're trying to get through an area, there's a good chance you could bump another one of your target bucks getting there. But if yep. it's close to the parking lot or, or close to a road or something, and it's really easy access... You might be wasting a hunt, but you're also guaranteeing that you're not boogering up any other bucks by hunting that area. So you're like, this is a win-win all the way around. Either I'm going to kill the deer, or I'm not going to educate anything else. Yeah. So and not not only that, also those bucks that live a lot closer to that human activity, they're more used to it. So yeah. you can get away with a little bit more. You can get one or two more hunts in on them mm-hmm. before they're like, hey man, this this guy's like just slightly off of where everybody else is maybe i should start paying attention you know and so that was you know going going back to what we were talking about where i had that picture of that buck the buck i named i named him caesar same situation well just what we were talking about he was in this tiny little thicket right off the road parking everywhere people always going in way deep to go hunt these crazy spots out back way way back in the you know as far back you could go and i had this camera uh, another thing I like to do, like I said, I put my cameras in, in some very obvious and weird places, but uh, I just ride, just try the try the gravel roads right against public land, or you know, if they're public cedar side or whatever, I'll go in like five, six, you know, five, six yards off the road where we have trails that cross, and I'll hang a camera. And that's what I did here is there was some <clears throat> private beans across the road, and the public touched that that road, numerous parking lots, and there's just a trail that comes out of the public hung the camera, you know, I'm not expecting anything daylight. And I get that picture of that buck. Okay. Well, he's a little after dark. He's going into the bedding area. I'm like, that's kind of interesting, but I will, I'll put a couple more cameras in this area. And so I I did. And then uh, a trail about 30 yards farther down, I got a picture of him right at, it's like October 18th at this point, I got a picture of him and it's uh, just before daybreak. It's like, 20 minutes before daybreak and he's going into that, 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 that thicket. And that one picture, I was like, okay, you know, getting him on that time frame, it's like the 18th. It's like, he, he has to be betting pretty close, you know, and, and yeah. this is his trail. And I, like I said, I had four, I ended up putting four or five cameras along that stretch of that road. And, you know, it was on this, one of these side trails, wasn't a very big trail. It was something very easily overlooked and i and i got that picture of him I'm, okay you know and so now i'm starting to think and and I, I he has to be in here and i started putting more cameras in there and sure enough man i mean daylight photo daylight photo or, or right at right at dark right at, i mean he was he was betting in this tiny thicket that uh everybody even me included had been walking around and and he just was right there right up against the road and that's where it gets into my videos where I end up in the. Uh, I had I had numerous times. I put my I had a, I have a couple cell cams. Otherwise, normally I just run crappy like Tasco cameras because they get stolen all the time. But I had a cell camera in there, and there was numerous times where I would be hunting, and because of the way the wind is and my access would be, I'd have to be on one side of the thicket, and he would be 60, 70 yards in the thicket 
on one of my cameras or on the other side of the thicket. And I couldn't hunt that because my wind, my wind would have been blowing right in there and you know, he would have had me, but I probably had him until November. I probably had him between 50 and a hundred yards of me, you know, whether me seeing him or catching glimpses of him, not on camera, probably 10 times. And I just kept hunting it, hunting that little thicket, extremely smart, going in at the right times, making sure my access was clean, using where other people were accessing and then stepping off and entering that little pocket right there or using the road. And it, it just seemed like I was waiting for the day that he would just catch me, like that, that he was just that he would quit, you know, quit being there. And he just wasn't. And I either I played my cards perfectly or he knew what was going on and just didn't care and wanted to play the game with me. And that led into my encounters there on on the channel that I have posted I had a couple great encounters. The first encounter I had of him, uh, he was actually coming through the area where everybody tend to be walking. I think he went off looking for a doe because now we're talking early November because he was kind of he was um, set up on the edge of the thicket expecting him to come out. And instead, he's coming in. And I called to him. He didn't seem too responsive. I end up losing camera light, and he comes into like 42 yards. And he was a blob, don't get me wrong. I technically could have shot. I think I had like a minute left of daylight. But he's 42 yards in this like chest-high, tall grass. He looks like a blob. And no, again, no camera light. And my goal is to, to get these bucks on film. And so, uh, you know, I let him walk. One of the biggest, one of the biggest deer of my life, walk right, right in front of me. He walks into that thicket. And so I, I keep hunting him hard. I keep hunting that buck hard. And it's like a day or two later, I have an encounter with him. I am sitting, I mean, man, I could turn around and watch cars. I'm so close to the road. I'm, I'm, I believe I'm just the legal distance off for bow, for a bow off the road. And I had a couple encounters with him in this, in this, I would call it like a lane in this thicket. And, uh, just numerous encounters, like I said, and got it all. I got all those on film and I really, I kind of hurt myself this year. I had a ton of just fantastic killer bucks, huge bucks, um, daylighting in other areas. And I just became so obsessed with him that I just focused. I was like, this is going to be the first year that I, 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 you know, name a buck and find a buck, track them down and, and shoot my target buck. You know, normally I just, it's public land. I take what I can get. It doesn't mean I won't go in after a buck, but man, I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth if a 160 walks in that I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I just got hyper-focused on them and I kind of threw away some of the best days of the year, unfortunately. And I had some of the other areas I had planned and could have hunted. I had just, just giants, man. I mean, huge 180s huge bucks and um they're on my radar this year that's for sure but uh, uh i kind of threw away some of the best days of the year just fo solely focused on him and not always able to hunt some of the best spots i was, I was pretty passive on him honestly um a couple kind of aggressive hunts but i just knew that if i even though he had a lot of pressure around him that that little thicket i just don't think anybody was in there and i knew if i pushed in there too deep he'd be like hey this is odd and i didn't want him blown out of that and going into where everybody else was hunting and getting shot so i just kind of stayed passive and hunted in and around him and it was november 20th and he was on i, I went in there i knew the rut was winding down but i knew there was a bunch of fawns that liked to be in there I'm like, okay, so, you know, we're going to get, get some of these younger does coming in a little late. And so I go in there, sure enough, here comes one of these little fawns, comes out into that lane. And, you know, here, here he's 
even being all jazzed up and, and, and on that, on that doe, he was being very smart. He was staying in the brush, staying behind bushes, trying to keep that doe from going out to, to, to feed in the ag and trying to push her back in, push her back in. And unfortunately he does this big wide circle from where the doe was, you know, no, basically no shooting lanes behind my tree. He's like three steps from catching my wind and where I walked in on the ground, you know, my ground sent on. And, uh, I tried to stop him in this one opening and he, I don't know what was going on, but he didn't, he ended up stopping basically facing me. And I'm a fairly good archer. Uh, I'm fairly confident in my ability. I've taken some, some 50 yard shots before and I have had no problem. And, uh, I figured, you know what? You know, I've never done this before. I'm not a big fan of it, but I've seen guys do it. I'm just going to chest plug him. He's like 18 yards. I'll just chest plug him. If he doesn't bleed well, I'll get a dog. He can't go far. I know this area. I'll find this buck. No problem. And so I, I he, like I said, he's, he's right behind me. I can't believe he already doesn't have my wind. He's about to cross my, my ground scent. And I'm kind of cranked around the tree, full draw. I got the camera and you can kind of see the bows getting in the way of the camera, just kind of a, a a bad all around situation. And I looked down, I, I put the pin on him and I looked down one more time to double check the cameras on him. And I looked back up and I, and I let her fly. And I think when I looked down, I had moved my, uh, where I kind of my anchor point. And <laughs> because I shot like a foot high, I'm not proud. I'm not proud of it just because I laugh about it. doesn't mean anything. I'm really not proud of it. You know, I, I, I'm the one that has to relive the situation every day. I've gotten plenty of flack for it, but, uh, I shot a foot high. I hit him square in the neck and it wasn't not. It's not a, not even like jugular or anything like that. It was straight rut neck meat. And I'm shooting, uh, like a four, a four blade grim reaper and it buries into his neck. And he, uh, yeah, I ended up backing out and to kind of wrap that story up, brought a dog in. He bled like crazy for 500 yards, pulled the arrow out, lost blood. I got a picture of him that night. He looked fine. And then I got a picture of him the next day. Again, he pretty much looked fine. And then I got multiple pictures of him on the 22nd in that thicket looking for a doe. And that was it. That was that. That's the I don't know what happened to him after that. He completely disappeared. What what I believe happened is the pretty much the rut was done. That was his rut range. He knows where he was safe roughly in that thicket. And um he didn't he wasn't summer and I, I didn't see him in summer when I when I velvet filmed that area. And I think he just uh he left for his winter range. And I I scoured all the food sources in that area that I could, tried to hunt him late season put a bunch of cameras out for him and I just never picked back up on him. I'm hoping that doesn't mean that he died from infection later on. I, I really do because a lot of the 22nd was a big day. A lot of my other mature bucks fell off the face of the earth. So I really think it just had to do with the rut. He moved on to a winter area and he was already right on the fence line of private and public. And so I think he just moved into some areas that have some really good food on private. And uh, yeah, I'll have to find out. I didn't hear of anybody killing him, but, you never know. So I'll have to find out, uh, this year if, uh, if he made it or not. So I'm pretty, pretty excited to, to, you know, hopefully wrap up the story in a good way on him this year. But, you know, um, I also flubbed my shot and if that's it, that's it. And I accept that that was my moment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, we've all been there. I've lost giants that I've hit and I hit a limb this year and, and it's just, it's devastating, but you were there 
you try to make it happen. Self-filming, it's tough. And, you know, with him facing you, that's also tough, too. It's one of those situations where, you know, it's either tried or, or he escapes you once again, you know. So I feel for you there. Um, before we wrap this up, I want to touch, I feel like I could do a whole nother podcast with you and we might do the whole time I'm doing this. I'm like, man, I ought to do a part one, part two, um, get, what, with, with this episode, just cause I'm, I'm really, really enjoying talking to you, dude. This is, yeah. yeah one, I mean, we can, yeah. I have, I have all those encounters still and yeah. the shed buck stuff and, and I have plenty. Of, I, I already told you I'm a talker, so yeah. I apologize, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we could, we could do that if you want, man. Well, that's exactly what we did. Two Cody's back-to-back right here. Cody and Cody talking about big bucks, and we're coming at you with part two. Had so much fun talking to him, um, getting in-depth. I didn't want it to drag out too long um, and and give you guys something to look forward to next week. So we're going to have Cody on again. But until then, always try to do the right thing. Try to leave a legacy. I love you guys. See you next next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. I love you. We out.